Hey Diamonds, happy Black Friday. I hope that everyone had an amazing Thanksgiving yesterday and that your holiday season is off to an incredible start. All right, so today's episode is the final part of my three-part interview series with my good, good friend, Sarah Francis. So if you haven't listened to episodes three and four, which are both called I Am a Fast-Talking Millennial with Dead Parents, I would definitely recommend doing so. And just as the other two episodes had, I need to offer a content warning for anyone who may be triggered by certain topics such as grief, loss, mental health struggles, suicidal ideation, and disordered eating. Listener discretion is advised. What are you? What are you? Are you your ethnicity? Your career? Your hobbies? Your interests? Your relationships? Your experiences? Are you what you eat? Or maybe all of the above? (laughs) We are all human and we are so beautiful and multifaceted. So every episode, we are going to embrace our complexity and explore and uncover the many sides of our identity. I'm your host, Angelisa. Let's do it. (laughs) My dad loved, not to us in private, but publicly loved love to brag on us yeah <laughs> like would brag on my siblings and I to his coworkers, to <laughs> my family um and it was so embarrassing and sometimes he like wouldn't even get the story straight like he would oh, yeah. have like misunderstood something like I when I was in um a finalist uh in the auditions for the Glee project um I was waiting to hear if I got to go to LA for the final final finalist yeah he just thought I was like four steps ahead in the process than I was <laughs> and told everybody I was like no 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 I, I said I did get far like yes be proud of me but I'm not I'm waiting to hear a step like yeah. way back way back but um that said I he did get to see me graduate from high school yeah. He passed a couple months after my sister graduated from high school, but he didn't get to usher her into her first semester of college because she was going to start college. Um, like she was supposed to move in the week after his funeral <laughs> for her freshman year. My brothers didn't get him to see them graduate high school. They didn't get him to see them graduate college, my sister graduate college and all the subsequent milestones. I feel guilty as an older sibling that my dad got to see me graduate high school, you know, and I get, I feel guilty for having those extra moments and that extra time with him. And, and that is something that I struggle with. Yeah. Um, so just to kind of like give the other side of the sibling age coin, but also I know that my family dynamic is very different than yours. Yeah. So, but just like that's my experience as an older sibling um, in that regard. But I do have a question. Mm-hmm. So 
how have you noticed that your loss, your trauma, your grief has affected the people around you? Not just Brian specifically, but maybe the way that you interact with the world. Like, do you feel like the world has gotten more of you or less of you or different of you than it would have? How do you not experience this? Like, did you feel like, I mean, I know you, I know to a point you do feel like a different person after than you do before, but like, can you kind of elaborate on what your feelings are about that for me? Cause I definitely have had my own experience in that regard. And I am just curious to know what yours is. My entire life trajectory changed completely. Um, So if my mom hadn't have gotten sick and passed away, uh, I'd probably be living either in New York or LA by this point. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I wanted, my ultimate goal was to perform only and choreograph. That is all that I've wanted to do since I was a kid. And, um, you know, it didn't have to be Broadway. It didn't have to be Hollywood. It didn't have to be specific things. I wanted to tour is really what I wanted. (laughs) Um, And I stopped auditioning at Mm -hmm. a certain point because I was just like, I can't do this anymore. So like if my parents, I mean, even when my mom was sick, she was so proud because I had finally made the decision to move to New York. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to move and I'm going to, I'm going to actually do it. Um, Cause I'd been so scared beforehand and just too nervous to, mm-hmm. and uh, I never felt like it was the right place for me at the right time. And, and so that's, that's a huge thing. Like I, I probably would be, I may still be with Brian, who knows I could still be that, but I, I felt after everything happened, I had an experience that really affected how I thought people saw me. So mm-hmm. when I, it was about a month after my dad had died, I went in to go audition for a musical at Olney. And oh, I remember this. Oh. I was so grateful to be called in because. Was it Elf? Yeah. I, I was there. <laughs> before this, before everything had happened, I had been getting called in and callbacks for the top theaters here in DC. And mm-hmm. I was so close to breaking out of the like non-equity work and getting equity work. And I was so close to making that next step in my career. And then everything happened and I had to stop. And I was, you know, I was very grateful for my work at Riverside, but I wanted more and, and I couldn't because I couldn't do that and make money and travel back and forth. And so, um, after everything happened, I went to this audition and the director comes up to me and it's somebody mm-hmm. I'd worked with multiple times and, we the first thing, the first thing he said to me was, "Hey, did I just see that your grandparents passed away?" And I was like, "Oh, yeah, it's actually my mom and my dad." Like, uh, but you know, it, it and is I just want to specify this was when you went in for the singing part, right? No, this like, is before I walked in for dance. Oh, dance before you walked in for dance. This was okay. the very first thing somebody said so, to me. I do want to say for the listeners um, to clarify how this audition went. Because all auditions go through a slightly different structure. This yeah. audition was kind of weird. It was like, what, like a dance call? And then they had us come in and sing our cut? Yeah. Was that it? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was for Elf, an oldie. And That's we as many in. details as we need to give for that one. Yeah, um. yeah, yeah. We're not going to give any more. Uh, it's, um, it's okay. Yeah. But, yeah, so... This was the first thing that happened. We had the dance call and then we all came in and sang following. But yeah. And I had a hard, I mean, the whole experience for me was so bad because it started off with that. Right. And mind you, I hadn't been into a dance call. I hadn't moved my body 
since that moment, since, since my dad died, I had, yeah. I had done a little bit of stuff cause I was choreographing at a high school, but that's it. And like I had, but I hadn't really moved. And I think we, I remember us both being nervous, you because of that. And I, I think it was my first time dancing in character shoes after breaking my foot. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Sarah, I'm gonna fall because well, I don't know if my feet can do what <laughs> I need to do anymore. Um, yeah, but like that was like the first thing that he said to me. And I was like, so taken aback because I went, oh my God, this is all that people know me as. They just know me as the girl whose parents died. And like he, his, his response to that was like, well, sometimes people just need to take a break. And I was like, I, I don't know how to do anything else. Like, this is what I know how to do. Like, this is, this is how I fend for myself. This is how I, this is what I do. So, yeah. and it was one of the worst dance auditions I've ever had. I've never, I've never bombed. There's only one other audition I've ever bombed dance wise. And ironically enough for another only show, but it was <laughs> one of the, I mean, dance doesn't usually come super hard to me, but my brain just wasn't working because it was during my mom being sick. And so like, again, I, that was kind of part of that process. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just so, I was taken so back. Cause that's how, that's all of a sudden I really didn't think anybody viewed me as anything else. Cause yeah. I was, I, I was kind of, I wasn't like known known, but like people had heard my name before. And, and that style of dance for that audition too, like was the style of dance that is in your wheelhouse that oh, I feel like I can do even out of shape, you could do it in your sleep. Like, yeah. and like, I remember you being upset after, and I'm I'm here to say it, it did not go anywhere near as poorly as you think it did. <laughs> but I do know that like you are a stronger dancer. But I also knew what happened immediately prior to that. I also and- at that point too, I had gained a lot of weight, and I because my response to everything was just to eat, and I was so uncomfortable in my own body that like. I don't even think I wore like actual audition clothes, like everything about the whole. And then my vocal audition was so bad. And because the music director was like, really, this is what you're singing. I haven't even, I haven't even sang a word out of my mouth. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, like what the hell is this Uh, day? So like, it was an interesting um, crew of peeps there too. So Like, and it it kind of, in a way, created a perfect storm. I think that if it had been different people in that space, these things, I I think that if it had been different combinations of people, rather, in that space, these events wouldn't have necessarily played out in the way that they did. I mean, I didn't audition. I literally did not audition for forever after after that. I, like, stopped. I was like, I can't. I cannot put myself through this again. Um, And... So I think I maybe went to one other audition. It was at Riverside because that was like my home. And I was like, okay, I can do this. I'll be fine. Um, but yeah, no, it was, um, it was really just like awful. And yeah. I know well, that totally makes sense how it alters that trajectory. I had like a, such a different experience in terms of how it affected like my performing in my trajectory I mean Um, I would be a teacher I would not be a teacher I would not be working in theater education I would not be working towards getting my certificate in theater like or in uh in teaching if this hadn't have happened I wouldn't have taught fitness for seven years if 
that had it happened to me because for me so I guess that whole summer I had been eating maybe the worst I had ever eaten in my life because I was just so overwhelmingly busy and yes I was so very active but like I just wasn't taking in quality nutrients and I'm not gonna say I like really gained weight but I gained like fluff probably Mm -hmm. um and like I can see in like pictures from that time like my face is like a different shape um rounder and I think also like I was 21 so I was not sleeping enough I was drinking I think I averaged at that time about three to four hours of sleep a, a night um and not that I was drinking every night no I would just like go out on some free times and like get a drink with my friends and like dance and not sleep and you know do the <laughs> the really unhealthy 21 year old in the summer in the city thing um but I was basically like keeping myself functioning by eating tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of chocolate covered espresso beans from Trader Joe's every show I did that summer had a rehearsal and or performance space right next to a Trader Joe's or right across the street from a Trader Joe's I gave them all of my money (laughs) I remember playing a basketball game in camp um the counselor sport that the kids watched fully blacked out i got told afterwards by the kids oh my god uh angelisa i didn't realize that you were so good at basketball you're so little but you're so good and i was like yeah totally could you not i do not remember that entire quarter that i played i don't and i like went into the hallway afterwards and it was in a school and i was shaking and I couldn't catch my breath. And that's when I kind of came to and I was like, what on earth just happened? So I was not in a healthy place. Then my dad died and I wasn't sleeping deeply. I wasn't getting quality sleep because I was having trauma dreams, which I didn't realize were trauma dreams, but I would just would flashback. I'd wake up, I'd wake up and know that my dad died in my daily life. I was exhausted emotionally I was exhausted physically I continued performing because I had just opened a show that was running for another five weeks um and I didn't have an understudy and I probably could have figured something out but I didn't know what else to do like this was a big deal um and I was Joanna and I just all I knew was I just had to keep going and people kept telling me kind of harkening back to what you said earlier oh my god you're so strong I performed the night of my dad's wake like I went to my dad's wake I had to leave a little early so I could do a show that was my first show back (laughs) it's okay I mean as I mentioned already I got on a plane yeah and immediately performed that night (laughs) yeah I performed immediately after my dad's funeral and Danny Evan bless her soul one of our dear dear friends um we love her she was in the show with me and her parents, I guess, were living um, just outside of D.C. Yeah. She would not let me go back to my apartment that night because my roommates were still out of town. And um, she like I had just gone to my dad's funeral, gone to his repass and did a show that night. And she would not let me go back. She was like, you're not staying alone by yourself tonight. And like, it was too late for like 
my mom or somebody to come get me from the city and take me back to Maryland, especially since I had a matinee the next day. So she was like, no, you're coming to my house. My parents are there and we're going to take care of you. And you know what? That is exactly what happened. And it was so kind. Um, And that's when I started seeing butterflies um, that, that weekend, that trip back. And that's how butterflies became so ingrained my feelings towards my father and um, his death um, and his life. Um, And yeah, but like people would just be like, oh, you're so strong. Like how on earth could you perform after that? And I'm like, I mean, like what is the other choice? Like, I I, I don't know this. I'm, I'm on autopilot. I'm functioning in what I know. And honestly, at this point, theater is a safe space in a sense in that I can escape from this nightmare that I am suddenly living in for a little bit. And I'm not going to lie. It was really hard. Um, I would get to the theater kind of early before other people would get there because I just needed to like be alone. And there's an album I would listen to an airplane over the sea, um, my neutral milk hotel that like now is somehow sense memory associated with those pre-show getting ready um, after my dad passed Mm -hmm. um, moments. And yeah, it's so, it's so, weird to think about and I understand why people are like wow that's wild you're so strong but honestly I just wasn't I just like had that was what I needed to do and when I did the first show back um if you know Sweeney Todd Joanna is Sweeney's daughter she doesn't know I played Joanna um my director had had an idea in rehearsals and yeah, I'm, that's all I'm going to say about it. My director had had an idea in rehearsals that during the final ballad of Sweeney Todd, when they carry Sweeney's coffin out, that Joanna is right there because Joanna is one of the only characters that lives. And she has a moment of realization and she realizes that man is my real father and kind of breaks down. And my first show back, again, was right after my dad's wake. I had just come from seeing my dad in a coffin. And I had totally forgotten about that moment until we got to it. And, oh, my God. It was like the wall I had built by performing as someone outside myself. It just fell away. Um, And um, I... I lost it. (laughs) I fully broke down on stage. I was supposed to, so it looked good. Um, And then backstage, um, the guy who was playing Anthony at the time, um, Bobby Libby, um, shout out to him. He sat with me backstage as I sobbed and he just sat there and like had his arm around me and just let me cry. And he was a great friend. And years later, um, we did Godspell together. And he was Judas in a production of Godspell with me. And I told him that, like, and how much that meant to me and how important that was to me. And he was like, oh, my God, yeah. 
<laughs> of course. He was like, like, just wanted to like help and nobody knew what to do. And that's like kind of a thing. I feel like so many people just like don't know how to approach people who have lost people, especially yeah. if you haven't lost someone to that extreme yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. But yeah, Grief. it's. Grief is weird, man. And I know for me, it's definitely affected my relationships in my life. And it's affected how I view, like, maybe the origin of relationships. Um, I will say um, it was a pretty big factor in the breakdown, uh, or not even the breakdown, I'll say more the break up of my marriage. Mm. Um so, yeah, I think that I had a lot of doubt about the strength of our relationship and how I went into our relationship because I with um, my ex because we started dating. We started talking the day after my dad died and we had been good friends, but we started like talking after that because he I guess, saw that my dad had passed and I had seen that he was single. He and his ex had broken up the day prior. So I was checking on him and asking him if he was okay. And then we just started talking and basically just never stopped. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then we started, I think we went on our first date uh, it's almost two months to the day after my dad passed. Mm-hmm. And so years later, I became really fearful that I just clung to him. And I don't think that this is accurate now, but I'd, I'd, I had a lot of doubt about the origin story of our relationship. Like for a long time, I was like, oh, wow, like my dad, like kind of brought this relationship into my life so that I could have this lovely, wonderful strong support system at this Mm -hmm. time but then I felt like wow my grief and the way I kind of didn't acknowledge so much of it because I was in this new relationship that I was in for nearly seven years following I didn't really allow myself to heal and grow like and I, I still think that that's true and I think that that's accurate, but I think I kind of like was able to um, suppress a lot of yeah. stuff. I don't know. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I, it, it's so, so wild how grief can be so impactful. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it never <laughs> leaves you either. I think that's the, the other thing to like think about too is that like, necessarily do I now go yeah I'm the girl with two dead parents I now know I now don't introduce myself like that I mean for a while there that was the only thing I knew how to talk about when I met new people and now I now I I I have more factors that go with identifying me when I introduce myself to somebody where it's not just like oh that's the sad girl you know it's now like Mm -hmm. there's other you know it, it just it takes time and I think that's the hardest thing is like and it also can build relationships too. Like, oh yeah, I made. So I worked um, at Orange Theory on the Upper West Side, and one of my coworkers, who's now we don't work there anymore, but he is now one of my closest friends. 
um, in the city, even though he just left me to go be a star on <laughs> tour, on the Tina tour. But he lost his mom to a pulmonary embolism as well, very suddenly, <sighs> while he was on tour. Um, and that... I mean, I think we would have been friends regardless. We have a lot of similarities. We have a lot of differences, too, that, like, really are very compatible with each other. But I think that that kind of shared experience, I mean, like, there's no explaining it. But we, I, I, I have called him my, my brother in this city. I yeah. say he's, like, my older brother. He's, like, a couple months younger than me. <laughs> but he is big older brother energy. And I don't think that we would have had this deep of an understanding, a connection of knowing each other for, I guess we've known each other for about two years. And like, we have this like forever bond because yeah. of that shared experience. I also am one of my closest friends at work. Um, my coworker, um, he lost his father in a very different way when he was mm-hmm. very young. Like I believe he was five. Mm-hmm. But that conversation organically came up, which is weird, but it organically came up um, a couple of days into us working together. And again, like it's a connector, like it's yeah. a bond and you're not going to be able to break that. My roommate um, lost her mom to cancer um, and it was a very different story, but a different kind of trauma. But she lost her mom to cancer when she was 11 and different world different story but there's an underlying community of like the kids who lost parents (laughs) yeah the kids who lost parents when they were too young to lose parents and then it gives you a sense of empathy I feel like and it gives you a strength to kind of be a support to people who go through that like yeah like when you were going through this I Honestly, I'm going to say it again. I cannot imagine, like, I I was there, and I <laughs> cannot imagine it. And I don't know how I would have handled being in your shoes. That being said, as it was happening, I felt comfortable, like, reaching out to you and, like, yeah. being there for you. I didn't feel like a trepidation that I feel like a lot of people often feel when there's situations like this happening and and I remember I remember thinking too like for me like whenever you reached out not to be like I was like oh you know that's fine but like there were some people where I was just like I don't you're not really somebody I really want to talk to you right now like Mm -hmm. because you just don't and it's it's okay it's okay I don't want you to get it um there's like that aspect of it too but it's like you know, there's certain friends that I could I could be around and certain friends that I just like was like, I cannot deal with who you are as a person right now. It's not you. It's it's literally just this situation because I'm somebody with a lot of patience. And um, there is just. When people get it, you get it. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like sometimes I move through the world and I am insanely jealous of people like my age, around my age, my friends who have the luxury of having two parents. Oh, yeah. Even when people lose a parent now, like, I feel so horrible for them. I want to be there. I have, like, extreme empathy for them. 
but also there is a part of me a really I, I I feel very guilty about saying this out loud and on this podcast, but there is a part of me that is like kind of jealous still. Like, yes, you just lost someone. That's horrible. But oh my God, like you are age 28, 29, 30, and you're just now yeah. having to experience this horrible, horrible thing. Like you got 29 years of what I deem a charmed life before you had to have it all kind of implode and you got to like have your parents see you become an adult and you didn't have to experience your living parent going through that whole grieving process and that's something that has been hard for me and amazing for me because my mom is one of the top most amazing humans on the planet but like watching her having to navigate this and be a mother and be uh like i mean just like financially like pretty much yeah. our source of support um and all of the other random things that happened to her and in her life in the subsequent years like there was a lot of uh, there was a flood in our family's house um there was a fire from a dryer like an electrical fire um that caused a lot of damage she was displaced for like six months and just like watching her navigate that like so inspiring but it wasn't easy and like yeah i she is a strong person but not because of that like i don't know i struggle with that phrasing because like you don't know when you say those things what is actually happening you just know what we allow you to see yeah and every time I don't know if you feel similarly but anytime someone says to me oh my god you're so strong it just makes me feel shy and nervous about it just adds so much pressure oh yes exactly and it's so much pressure of like great so what happens if I do need to have a moment of weakness like yeah that was a big issue for me and the whole like oh my god I'm so sorry I can't even imagine what that is going through like what you've been through I'm like yeah I know it's but like sorry to burst your bubble everybody's gonna die yeah yeah I don't know Um, it's very interesting I'm no longer afraid of death um like I if I go I go like I have no fear for of it now Mm -hmm. um which is a, a very interesting perspective, um, especially now in a time of, you know, a global pandemic that killed millions of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I kind of don't have a fear of it because it's, like, there's t- there's days for me still where I go, well, I don't really have that much to lose. I, my dog just goes to a new home. He'll be fine. Like, Oh, yeah. Well, my cat would not do well with that. She would be so upset. <laughs> She'd be looking oh, for me and screaming I'm sure for my me. Dog, I'm sure my dog would not be okay in any way, shape, or form. This dog is attached to me. But, yeah. but you know, it's also like, well, it's an animal. Like, it's, you know, like, as much as I treat it like he's my own kid, I'm also like, well, he's an animal. Like, you know, but that's really all I kind of have. Like, and there were so long where, like, I was just like, there's, there's just, like, nothing else. Yeah. You know, and, like, everyone's like, oh, well, you, you know, you've got this. You're so strong. It's like, well... I've done as much as I can, you know, yeah. life keeps going on. I think that's you the just thing have that people to adapt. About. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I'm not going to say that I don't have a fear of death because I probably do, but I definitely look at it very differently. And 
my biggest concern if and when I were to go is my family. I just don't want to be the source of my family's grief and pain. That is something that I do think about. Like, I don't, uh, like, honestly, I don't know how I would handle I don't think very well, honestly, uh, which is weird to say because I have been through death, but I don't think I would handle like losing like my siblings very well. Um, or I, I know I'm not going to handle losing my mom very well. Uh, <laughs> and um, anyone who has ever met my mom will yeah. probably understand that. <laughs> um, my mom is... She's a an caretaker. Angel. Yeah, she is straight up an angel. She's a caretaker in a very different way, I feel like, than your mom was. Yeah. But th- our moms had similar energies. Yes. And they also liked each other. They got along. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, didn't they, like, put together our, like, recital reception thing? I feel like we did that together. Probably. Um, yeah. Oh There's so many know. things I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're the, the befores. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I think about that, and then I also think about, have I done enough to leave the legacy that I would like to leave, a legacy that I would be proud of? Those are the things. I think when I look at my parent, or when when I look at my dad's life, when I look at my grandmother's life, when I look at my nephew's life, when I look at my aunt's life and even when I look at Luke's life I know you briefly talked about him and like that's a whole different thing but a whole different type of grief but when I look at their lives there are I feel like they all left very strong legacies like my dad did more in his 68 years of life than most people do in 100 you know yeah my aunt did amazing things in turning her whole being around. She lost her way and she found her way. She overcame addictions. She raised beautiful, amazing children. She was a great aunt. She was so fun. She was so funny. Um, I remember she came um, when I was very sick, when I was 16 with pneumonia on my 16th birthday, which was my grandmother's 86th birthday, she came over to watch the Redskins game and like celebrate our birthdays. And she was just like screaming at the TV. Oof. They were the Redskins then. Now they're the Washington Commanders. Excuse me. Um, my nephew, um, he had a quote um, that he would say all the time. And I have a bookmark that says it and I might misquote it a little bit, but it was, um, make every day count, um, essentially. And just like, uh, that is what it boils down to. Um, I don't think that that is the exact quote. So sorry, Terry, if you're listening. Um, but like what beautiful legacies to leave behind. I do have one final question for you. Yes. When I grow up. So this is how I'm ending every one of these interviews. And it doesn't have to be a long answer. It can be a short answer. But when you were a little kid, when you were five, we all all wanted to be something when we grew up, right? And I'm Mm going to tell you where this question stems from. Once upon a time, my first show that I did in a community theater space was called The People Garden. 
And there was a song in the People Garden called When I Grow Up. And the People Garden is a show about a kindergarten class, five-year-olds. And it just really acknowledges the openness, the innocence, the wild imaginations that we all have as children, the openness to friendships, the different and maybe sometimes healthier, maybe sometimes unhealthier ways of processing emotions, um, different ways of asking why and asking questions. And the kids want to be everything. My character, one of the things I wanted to be when I grew up was a Barbie. I will not be a Barbie, <laughs> but I mean, like the sky's the limit. Yeah. So when you were five, when you were a little kid, when you were in peak innocence of youth, what did you want to be when you grew up? No I, no, no, no holds barred. All right. I, I wanted to be a performer. I, I wanted to, oh. I wanted to sing and dance. Um, Mostly dance because I was terrified to sing and I was terrified to speak in front of people as a kid. I was super, super, super shy, which you would never know now. Never. Uh, like I did not order my own food until I was like 13 years old. That's how shy I was. Oh, my God. Um, so uh, I – but I wanted I, I wanted to sing and dance and I wanted to be nice to people. And um, I also – there's two things in life I always wanted to do as a kid and one of them completely just dropped off. But I wanted to run the Bronx Zoo. Don't ask me why, but I wanted okay. to run the Bronx Zoo. Um, I had this whole dream of being a zookeeper, and and but uh, essentially, I wanted to be the next Jane Goodall. Is what it came down to. Um, Whoa, that's so cool! Yeah, Where did that I go. Uh, it went with my chemistry teacher sophomore year. Who- <laughs> Uh, ruined science for me actually um, I was actually like I was nominated I did a lot of science stuff growing up my mom was actually a science teacher and so her she she actually got one of the very first ever environmental science degrees um, wow. and so my mom's thing was being a science teacher and I wanted to study uh, animal behavioral sciences and I wanted to do zoology and I was nominated to do like a biology program in high school and I missed the interview for the summer program for uh, governor honors program is what it was called. And it's like, you spend a month at a college or like six weeks at a college studying that specific area. So there were some arts ones, there were some math and I, I was nominated to go for biology and I missed the interview because I was at an audition for a summer, uh, a summer program called Broadway dreams foundation uh-huh. that introduced me to a lot of really influential people. And um, from that point on, it kind of went away because of my sophomore chemistry teacher really ruined science for me. She was, she didn't really know the subject very well. She, um, neither did mine. Oh, I well, just realized I, she same. was then my physics teacher and I would have been really good at physics because I like math and mm-hmm. I would have been stupid good at it. However, she couldn't teach it and I had to get a tutor and it was a horrible, horrible, horrible problem. And she wow. did not like me. Uh, to the fact where, like, my s- senior year, I was supposed to be in, like, all these accelerated science programs, mm-hmm. and I was supposed to be in AP Biology, and I went, I'm just going to take human anatomy because I already know it, and I sat in the back of the classroom with my best friend, who was, like, too smart for school anyways, and she literally didn't have to study at all, um, and she and I sat in the back of the room, and I didn't have to study because I already knew it, and I was like, I, I just needed an easy A, and... Um, <laughs> Because at that point, I knew I wasn't going to do science anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I really wanted to – I actually almost 
after I graduated high school, uh, there's a program in Tanzania that uh, it's the Jane Goodall Project. And yeah. you go over there for like a month to Africa and you essentially live at the compound and you do all this research and it's supposed to be like a layman's version of it versus like a scientist version of it. Uh-huh. And so I was going to go do that for a month. Um, but then I ended up getting cast in a chorus line and I needed to work before college. Um, so I, all of my science dreams just kind of went away after my sophomore year, after a really just bad year experience. And wow. Yeah. I mean, I was such a zoo nerd. Like I was such an animal nerd. Um, it was really funny because I was really scared of animals, but I loved them. I only oh, like same, but now I'm not scared of them. <laughs> okay, no, no, I would I would literally do anything with animals. Um, and yeah, it's it's so funny. That is what I wanted to do. I wanted to study animal behavioral sciences. Wow. And, um, I even like when I was like talking about college as freshman year, I was like, I want to double major in biology and musical theater. Which, <laughs> looking at like looking at that now would not have ever been an option. Yeah. Um, if you're not hip to a musical theater program um, or a science program <laughs> or a science program. Yeah. I mean, my brother did his chemical engineering degree at Villanova in three years and he didn't have a life. Um mm-hmm. And yeah, I, my sister and I did musical theater and we also didn't really have real lives. <laughs> we had nope. um, very um, sequestered lives. Um, okay. And then my last question. Yeah. With this, mm-hmm. if you had the freedom, logistical freedom, don't think about anything that would hold you back to do whatever you wanted right now, to be whoever you wanted right now, what would you be? Who, what would you be when you grew up or what do you want to be when you grow up now? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, a couple of things. Um, one, I would go back to performing. And so I didn't mention this, but the other thing that I wanted as a kid is I wanted to be on SNL. It was the only thing I worked towards. Wow. I did a lot of research. I, I mean, I used to watch episodes um, when they came to Netflix of like the first couple of seasons and I would sit and take notes. Um, and I was so dedicated to like the craft of improv. I was really interested in it. I was interested in writing characters, but I was always super self-conscious about it because I didn't think, I knew I was funny. Um, you are funny, quick witted and I could, I can respond really well. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was like, that's what I want to do. That is where I, and my mom used to compare me. It was really interesting, uh, it was kind of hard to take this one, but I, she used to compare me to Chris Farley, not because I was like a fat kid. I was a fat kid, but um, <laughs> but because of my physical comedy, I was really into sort of the slapstick kind of humor. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and my, my idol, Steve Martin, like I've followed his career my entire life. I've read all of his plays. I've read all of his books. I've, I've you know, I'm, pro- I'm about to produce his musical at my, you know, company. Like, Oh, so cool. Yeah. And like, I, you know, I've watched all of his movies. I've watched his TV. Like I've watched... I've like studied his career. Did and... you know I lived a couple blocks away from the only murders in the building building? Um, I just started watching it. I'm obsessed. I just got Hulu. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, um... you could have used my account. Anyway, I live a couple blocks away from that building. Obsessed. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like that, I think that was what I would do. I think I would go through the Second City like program and I would, I would build that confidence back up in me and I would, I would try to go forward in that kind of a career. Um, I wanted to be on sitcoms too as a kid. Like that's what mm-hmm. I really liked. And so, you know, that's the the kind of comedy I'm drawn to and like the kind of television I sit and watch. I watch a lot of scripted TV. 
like and... a lot of like Mike Schur sort of sitcoms or like uh like in the Parks and Rec office yeah. sort of sphere good yeah, place yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. liked Parks. I liked Parks and Rec. I did not like The Office, and I, you know, what I'll get slammed. Wow. it's fine. I know. Um, That's a bold declaration. I, I made it. It's fine. It's um, fine. It's casual. Uh, but yeah, I mean that, and like, um, you know, I mean, I still watch like CBS stuff, like uh-huh. Neighborhood, and like, um, you know, I do. I love Modern Family, and I, you know, I love. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love the middle, like all those like ABC com like family comedies is like what I love. So like uh-huh. that is the kind of work that I would like to go into of like that kind of writing, that kind of stuff. So if I could like just completely go ahead and go, you know what? I'm going back into the arts only. I'm no longer teaching. Um, I would go I would go more towards stand up, improv and scripted television. Um not so movies. Cool. I don't like movies. I mean, I like movies. I, I kind of. I'm really terrible at movies. Like, I, I can't. I don't remember quotes. I'm horrible at it. Everyone's like, why don't you remember this? I'm like, I don't know. Oh, um, but you but know I, Mean Girls, right? That's important. I know enough. Um, you know enough. Okay. I uh, mean, if you've talked to me ever, you know enough. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think that's what I would do. I would just kind of, I would, as much as I love being an educator and it's really become part of who I am and, and mm-hmm. what I, and what I, and what I feel satisfied uh, creatively doing. Mm-hmm. Um, if I could, if I could just know nothing holding me back, um, I would, I would go into, I would go into, you know, working with a writing team and refining my comedy back again and, uh, sort of kind of going in that direction, even at, even as like a director or an actor, like doesn't matter. Um, I think I would like both, uh, that's beautiful. So, yeah. That's if oh. I could do whatever the hell I wanted. But I can't do that. So I'm going to be happy being a teacher. <laughs> I honestly, having been one of your students, even in a virtual space, um, you are a really, really, really amazing teacher. You are an amazing educator. Um, even in college, like we were in a bunch of obviously a bunch of the same classes, but also I will say dance classes like that was when it was a little more specific. We were in a bunch of those same dance classes. Yeah. And I can't remember. Oh, actually, I'm jumping way too far back. But we were in a lot of the same dance classes. And you were helpful when I had questions about things because I definitely, like, looked to you as, like, my my dancer role model source of inspiration oh because you're a dancer who – has so much technique but you also have fun when you dance and you're a performer at the end of the day and that is so um rare and valuable and I love that about you but it was when um we were in guys and dolls and we were like splitting (laughs) that role and never forget hate learning things from videos and you just went through everything with me before I took over your role for the final (laughs) weekend um which is before this whole story began this urinetown adventure um, that led to your whole life um but when you were (laughs) when you were going over the choreography for um uh, hotbox girl stuff with me I was like oh I get it now. The thing that I cannot learn from a video because I have an issue. <laughs> um, but yes, thank you so much for having this conversation, this very, very long conversation that will be in multiple parts, maybe three episodes. Who knows? Oh my goodness. But this is such like, 
I feel like a niche topic, but then also somehow universal. Like everyone at some point will probably experience loss and grief in some way. And it's just that you experienced a lot at one time. (laughs) And I, 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 I don't want to say you're so strong, but like, (laughs) I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, especially one of my really wonderful, amazing, like life friends, like, because you're the type of friend who like, I don't have to see you for like, you know, a couple of years. (laughs) And then we can just pick up and talk for literal hours. Oh yeah. It's like, we never stopped. (laughs) No, I agree very grateful for you in my life and I am grateful that you are still here and that you were able to find the strength to move on whatever that was whatever that realization was in that thumb moment (laughs) (laughs) um and I love having you as a friend and thank you for talking to me on the podcast thanks for having me i had a blast thank you thank (laughs) you for taking back the phrase what are you with me and reclaiming it to um highlight this one small piece of your identity that has affected so many other elements of your identity i love you so much i love you and with that goodbye What Are You? was created and produced by me, Angeliza. Check us out on Instagram at whatareyou underscore pod for some cute pics from today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please, please, please go to your favorite podcast app and follow, like, subscribe, review, and turn on new episode notifications so that you don't miss a single second. If you are interested in having your identity explored on the pod, then send me an email and I will set something up with you. My email is whatareyoupod at gmail.com. I'll be back in your ears on Tuesday, friends, with a new interview exploring a new piece of identity with a new special guest. Stay tuned and don't forget to keep sparkling, you gorgeous little diamond.